0: Hi, it's John here. Today we've got a special live edition of Disruptors to share with you. It's a conversation I had with the investing legend, John Ruffalo. I met with John recently at the Elevate Festival in downtown Toronto, the largest gathering of creative thought leaders in Canada. John, as you may know, is the former founding CEO of Omer's Ventures and made a bunch of early winning bets on Canadian tech powerhouses. Hootsuite, Wattpad, and Shopify were all part of his portfolio. But more recently, John has been fighting his way back from a near-deadly cycling accident, which left him paralyzed from the waist down. We talk about John's road to recovery, his new firm, Mavericks Private Equity, as well as what Canadian entrepreneurs can learn about resilience from his inspiring life story. Have a listen. John, it is so amazing to be with you in person for a bunch of reasons that we're going to talk about today. But, uh, but thank you. For your, uh, for your inspiration. It's great to have you great. back and to be in person. Thank you, John. We're going to talk today about resilience. Uh, resilience as an individual, resilience for entrepreneurs. How, how do you be a resilient entrepreneur and resilience for an economy? If you don't know the John Ruffalo story, he is, you'll, you'll probably cringe from me saying this, John, in many ways, the godfather of what we have today in tech. If you believe Toronto is a global tech centre, which it is, John deserves a huge amount of credit for that. Uh, when he started Omer's Ventures a little over a decade ago, mm-hmm. people probably didn't know what you would do with it. But Shopify, Wattpad, Wave, Hootsuite are all or became the companies they, they became in part because of John's investment, but also his mentorship of uh, entrepreneurs. So I want John for you to share some of the insights you've had uh, about resilience through, uh, through the past decade. But let's start with your own Personal story: uh, You were in a uh, horrific accident. Yes, and uh, I'm hoping you can share a bit of that with the audience today. Um, take us back to that 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 moment, if you don't uh, if you don't sure. mind. Sure, sure.
1: Yeah. Thank you, John. Thank you, uh, everyone. Yeah. So uh, almost two years uh, to the day, right in the the peak of the uh, pandemic, and at the time I was uh, trying to fundraise for our new firm, uh, Mavericks Private Equity. And uh, we're now getting into the glimmers of, okay, the pandemic, the world's not going to end. And our lead investors had said, okay, you know what? Let's start the closing process in October. And so now we're starting to gear up and I'm excited and I'm a big cyclist. And every Wednesday when I was at home, I would take a nice uh, long ride out. I live in the East End and go out to north of the city And on this particular gorgeous day, I was run over from behind by a a tractor trailer uh, going at uh, 80 to 90 kilometers an hour and just uh, uh, hit me with such massive force that it took me clean off of the stem of the bike. My bike was unrecognizable, but not only did it obliterate my my vertebrae and obviously damage my uh my spinal cord but the force of the impact gave me another damage in that it just broke the rest of the bones of my body uh and the worst was probably that my uh, pelvis was split into six pieces Uh, a bunch of my organs were damaged uh and i was losing 50 percent of the blood in my body
0: And I think I've read that a doctor said to you, you've got one in a million chance. Yes. yes. What made you the one?
1: Well, when he said that I was asleep in a coma, (laughs) but uh, um, he said that as being nice. So two of my partners called, and this was the CEO of Sunnybrook and he's a friend. And they just said, can you tell us, he says, your friend's going to die in 48 hours. And they were in shock. And they said, what do you mean die? And the response was, okay, maybe he's got one in a million chance of survival. And part of the problem that I'm facing right now is that, that no one knows what sort of expectations there are for me because no one survived that sort of trauma on their body. And so right now, even today, as I continue to make great progress, um, There is no one to really understand what's really happening. And the only thing that I do attribute it to is really mind over matter. And this is the whole resilience comment. Uh, I know that sounds kind of hokey, but I literally was constantly dreaming of walking and knew it was going to happen. And, you know, one sort of funny story, it wasn't funny then, but so here I am miraculously don't die. And it was 36 hours that they finally decided to do surgery on me. Surgery would have killed me immediately. Uh, I get through it, Uh, I get out of the coma. They remove the intubation six days later and I finally wake up in a hotel room and it's like, wow, you're alive. Oh, by the way, you'll never walk again. And I was with my wife at the time and my jaw dropped again. It was like, Sh**. like, and the, the, the doctor left the, the room and almost simultaneously, I said, go yourself. Uh, <laughs> and you know, no one's going to tell me that I'm not going to walk it again. I'm thinking about my down. I'm not going to walk again. <laughs> and, but it was the, me trying to convince myself and, you know, uh, my walking's pretty strong right now. And the one thing I did do, 11 months later, I did go back to Sunnybrook in the exact same uh, intensive care ward, had a walker, and I walked right down the halls. And what I said to the doctor who was there, and and they're all crying, and I said, don't you ever tell anybody they're not going to walk because you don't know. And don't take away hope from someone. And it's all about
0: hope. Resilience is about hope. It's about hope. Yeah. And so it's, it, it is mind over matter, but there's a lot of hard work, a lot of sweat that uh, yes. connects mind to, to, to matter. And John said to me off stage, a year from now, he's going to walk onto the stage. So that's, that's mind over yeah. matter. I will. And... and Tell us a bit about uh, the, the the sweat, literally, that you're putting into this, because your daily regimen is, you know, worthy of a of, of an Olympic uh, competitor. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's grueling.
1: Uh, one of my teammates, uh, Vivian O'Leary, is here, and she manages my calendar because I basically have two full time jobs. And and part of this is the unfortunate thing; it really is a product of privilege. I actually think it's wrong fundamentally. I have a team of approximately 10 doctors, four physios, a masseuse, a chiro, a physical trainer, a neurosurgeon, and a physiatrist, oh, and a Pilates, 10. I pay for all 10. But what I've learned is there's a bit of a fiction here in terms of our healthcare system in that we have a very good acute healthcare system. They saved my life. Uh, No question, but when I went into hospital for four months of physio, again, Vivian will tell you the story. I literally broke out there. There There's, I'm sure posters of never have this guy come back because I called out everything. And where I found the unfairness is you shouldn't have to have money to recover. This is part of our society. This is what we pay our taxes for. And so, I will do that, and if you see me funding a lot of startups that are in the disability post-acute space, that's why I'm doing that, because I just think it's unfair. So just to give you a sense, I'll just give you today. So from 10.30 to 12, my physio comes in with another physio assistant. Um, I'm walking with two poles now, uh, up to about 400 feet is the maximum I could do practicing the walking and it, you know, they're there in case I kill myself and uh, took 15 minutes for lunch, had another, at a business call. And oh, by the way, I did three hours of work before they came. My driver came to bring me here after I'm going, the driver's going to bring me right back home. I have a, my masseuse physio ready for another 90 minutes. And then once I'm done that, I, I I'm cycling uh, quite a bit again And I go back onto my Peloton. I'll do that for 45 minutes, have a little bit of dinner and then do another three or four hour shift. So it is a killer to do that. But And you'd say, why would I, other than being stupid and a glutton for punishment, it's if I didn't do that, I'm not sure my mind would be in the right frame
0: of mind in order to help the physical recovery of my body. So I, I'm hearing from you. Re- re- resilience involves a team. It's not a solo. Uh, it's not a solo yes. sport. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. What, have, John? What have you learned about yourself uh, at, through uh, through this? Well, I learned that I was kind
1: of full of, shit. Uh, and then let me explain why. Uh, so, people have asked, what is it when you look back at a career of making successful investments. What was the string? And the string was finding that uh, founder with resilience. And, you know, I could explain to you what I really mean very specifically, but it was resilience that was the single string. And it was easy for me to parrot that and explain and saying, you know, I'm pointing to these folks little did I know that I had to actually prove that to myself. And it's one thing to build a business. And, and during when we were fundraising for Mavericks, you know, with the pandemic, I got run over by a vehicle. Like it's like, okay, God, okay. I get it. You're, you're testing me. That was enough now. And, but I really realized what resilience really meant. and, Two things for me one personal, one business. Personally, so, and I didn't realize this at the time when I was lying on the ground, so I was dying and I probably had 60 minutes to live. And and they got me to the hospital in 25 minutes. Um, But two minutes post impact, I woke up not knowing that I'm dying. And my face is in the ground. It's just shredded at this point and just in, in bad shape. And I wake up and I said, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. Like I, you know it, by the way. You, you just It's this feeling of nothingness below your waist. And I felt that I had a choice, I really did, to live or die at that moment. And the two things that came to mind was my kids. My son- would have been 14, my daughter 11. And I thought, oh, they're too young not to to be fatherless. So I started with my uh, left forearm trying to get up, not knowing that everything's broken all the way down my body. And so I couldn't physically get up. I was trying. And I remember this one woman witness. uh, She said, don't get up. You're in bad shape. And then they took out my phone. I had my kit and phoned my wife. Had to even give them my password, for God's sakes, uh, because they couldn't do the face <laughs> thing on there. And I'm like, <"J-> <laughs> and, I, and, and my wife's like, what's going on? I go, come and get me. It's really bad. So, hmm. so the personal resilience on your family and the power of that is there's nothing comparable. But at the same time, um, you know, when when we were building Mavericks, it was really like we're not doing it to make more money. I don't need to make any more money, but it was really about the future of this country and really building the scale-ups. And I really felt I couldn't I, I did that for a reason. And I, I remember when I'm in the hospital, so it's about six weeks in, and I'm lying on my back. I can't actually even move. I couldn't. I couldn't get up because all of uh, I uh, broke all of my ribs in, uh, in multiple places and I had what's called a flail. My ribs actually stuck out. It was really gross. And so I couldn't move. And I'm bored out of my mind. And I started calling up the investors. And the first one, <laughs> you get to see his long pause. And I go, hey, how's it going? It's like, John, like, you're basically, you're alive? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, and I just, yeah, just following up, you know, we talked about October <laughs> <laughs> and there was a longest pause and I was like, where the f- are you? <laughs> and I said, oh, oh, I'm, 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 um, I'm at, it's a uh, uh, Toronto rehab, it's called Lindhurst. I'm like, I'm Lindhurst. He goes, are you on your back in the bed? I go, yes. He goes, why are you calling me? And I just said, oh, I, uh, what am I going to do? And this is what Canadians, this is Canada for you. And how we're so relationship driven. They, the response was universally, hey, why don't you take care of yourself and when you get out of hospital, we'll close the deal. They did it three months later from, mm. from hospital. Yeah. That's, can, that's Canada for
0: you. So. It, John I, I want to shift a bit to learn more about Mavericks. Yep. Tell us uh, what the mission is, what the ambition is and uh, what you're hoping to do with it in the next uh, in the next short while.
1: Yeah, so you know, it's interesting, you know, for the, those of you who have followed a lot of our thought leadership, we were very concerned that the uh, interest rate environment was going to trigger a massive resetting of valuations. And uh, one of my colleagues, Peter Haas, if you follow him, was even actually modeling out what the impact would be. And anybody who was paying attention would have realized a very small movement in interest rates was disproportionately going to impact valuation. So we were expecting a massive correction. And we have a lot of great companies that have gone through the startup system and then there was not going to be any capital available to them, really, for, and, and a risk-based capital. And we wanted to build a fund that would cut checks that were very significant, at least from a Canadian perspective. And, uh, you know, our checks, we we cut on average $50, $75 million in U.S. dollar checks, which was kind of the hole in the marketplace, and it was really designed to not only capture technology companies, but traditional businesses that were enabling the technologies. And it was to fill a hole. And the asset class is called technically a growth private equity asset class as distinguished from late stage venture. And no one really captured that asset class in Canada. So we thought that was the hole. And you know, we, we closed the fund last year, but we did wait an entire year Despite us screening 1,000 deals, we just knew that the market was going to implode. And so now we're so excited that, you know, yes, there is a valuation correction, but that's not a business correction. Now, there could be a business correction if we fall into a deep recession. And, you know, that's a bit of a, a different story, but we're really looking for these great founders who want to build... And this is the key. you want to build a Canadian-based uh, business that you want to stay here, you want to grow it very, very big. you know, like a Shopify, you could hire employees all around the world. But this is what's missing for this country, and this is what I believe, and our team believes, it is the path for the future prosperity
0: of, of our country. We're yeah, please. thank you. Uh, It's been a really volatile year. Do you think we're uh, out or near the bottom? No. So we're in the falling knife
1: stage. So it goes through a few stages. And by the way, because I'm an old guy, this is the fourth time I've seen it. It repeats itself all the time. I mean, John, you've been through a few of these as well. And so we go through the shock stage where people think that it'll just revert back. And then they start to realize, uh uh-oh, it won't. And remember, the aberration was 2019 to 2021. We're not in the aberration. We're in the normal period. That's the problem and that people have to really understand that. So it's really acknowledging that, okay, I see where we are. Then it's the falling knife stage. And that's where we're in right now, where there's lots of uncertainty and the companies are starting to figure out, uh-oh, there's not an endless money supply. It, uh, you know, their business models maybe were were, were were terribly unproductive, et cetera. And so you're going to see, uh, and I say for one more quarter right now, not a lot of activity, but remember there's historical amounts of dry powder out there. I do believe in Q4, we're going to start to see people choosing companies that have got their business models correct. So I think there'll be capital for that. There'll be a lot of acquisitions. You're going to see privatizations in the, uh, in, the, in the public markets. But 2023, I think, is going to still be a period of volatility. And the second shoe is a recession. And while I personally believe, I actually think we're in one right now and in a little bit as a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I don't know how deep it's going to be. And if it's deep, then there's still further room to go down because the demand for a lot of the products or services are going to decrease. So the real message, and if anyone wants to see, we kind of list the kind of the top 10 rules that you really should do right now. But the real message is watch your cash. Don't change your strategy or panic like businesses will still grow. And some of the greatest businesses that I've seen strengthen themselves during these recessionary times because they were getting kind of fat in the first place. So you're going to see a lot of this stuff. And if you're looking for talent, there is going to be talent going to be going to, you know, the perceived winners. So, and they're going to get stronger. So, you know, the the real key is trying to figure out how to get through. And I'm going to guess around the next 18 months and getting through on the other side, leaner, meaner. But I am more excited now than I was when this happened, you know, whether it was 2008 and certainly in 2002. In 2002, they weren't even businesses and we created eight years of a horrible wasteland. I don't think we're
0: in that situation today. You've had the fortune, good fortune of uh, dealing with uh, a few generations of entrepreneurs now. How, how are entrepreneurs today of this generation different?
1: Um, I think that compared to 20 years ago, where the first question was how much money I'm going to make, you know, by virtue of the exit, et cetera, uh, I don't see that very often anymore. And now I see far more passion based investors. I don't know if he's here today, but when we were sitting out there and in the speakers area, there's a gentleman here that talked about his young kid having a medical condition and now building the business based on that. And it's a medical based business. That's passion. This guy, he's gonna do everything he can to build this business. This guy is going to, his rocks are going to fall on you. Hopefully you don't get hit by a uh, tractor trailer, but uh, at 99% of the time, those massive obstacles come crushing on you. And this gentleman is going to do everything in his power because he wasn't focused in on the money, but the money might come. That is a massive generational change that I, just enthralled thrilled about, when, particularly when I'm speaking to uh, younger uh, individuals.
0: We're, we're unfortunately out of, out of time, but I wonder, John, if I can wrap up uh, with a question back to the original point about resilience and what entrepreneurs uh, and, and founders need to see in themselves and build them, uh, themselves to be resilient through these, these uh, challenging times.
1: So a few things. You said it earlier. It took an entire community to get me where I am right now. And it's not only my doctors, it's my, my team at Mavericks, my cycling team, et cetera. It takes a community. Well, I just so happen to surround myself with folks that are positive and give me hope and telling me, you know, you're going to crush it. Even though I know they know. hold oh, God, this guy is in bad, bad shape. It's the same thing with you in here. Surround yourself with folks that give you hope. And, you know, when you're going out and getting advice to folks uh, from folks and seek as much as you can. You know, don't surround yourself with syncophants either, making sure that you're you're really asking people, how can I fix things, etc. But at the end of the day, it is that hope. No one, don't let anyone take it away from you. And you'll just be surprised what you can achieve when you maintain
0: that hope. Don't let anyone take away your hope. What a what a great message for us all. John, thank you thank so you. much.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: That was John Ruffalo, managing partner of Toronto-based private equity firm, Mavericks Private Equity. Thanks to John for sharing his inspiring story with our listeners. I'm John Stackhouse, and this is Disruptors, an RBC podcast. Talk to you soon. Disruptors, an RBC podcast, is created by the RBC Thought Leadership Group and does not constitute a recommendation for any organization, product, or service. It's produced and recorded by JAR Audio. For more Disruptors content, like or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit rbc.com disruptors.